0: You're listening to a BGE podcast. Friends and family gather round and fire up the barbecue. Let the smoke waft and float, that's what we're gonna do. You can't deny there's nothing like friends and family and food. Don't sit still, pull out your grill, we're gonna have a barbecue. How do I get that perfect, tender bite of my favorite steak every time? Man, isn't that the million-dollar question everybody is wanting to know. And on today's episode of the Blind Grilling Experience, that's what we're talking about. Cause if you're looking, you ain't cooking, fire up the barbecue, fire up the barbecue. Welcome back, folks. My name is Chris Peltz. I am the most interesting griller in the world. And today we've got a great episode for you because we're going to be answering that very question. Everyone wants to know how to get that perfect tender bite of your favorite steak every time. Because I'm going to tell you, anyone can get lucky and hit it every once in a while. But that consistency, that's what people are looking for you know, they're tired of paying all these astronomical prices at, at restaurants. And well, as far as that goes, prices are getting pretty high in the grocery stores and meat markets themselves. But still, everyone wants to fire up the grills. I hope you guys have been having a great summer so far. been firing up the grills and throwing on some burger steaks and smoking some briskets and pork butts and ribs and all those wonderful goodies. But today we are focusing in on the steaks. So we're going to talk about the beef and I want to, you know, help you to have a little bit more consistency in your cooks and walk through some tips and tricks on making sure that you have the best and most tender bite every single time. And so let's get into this first of all, I want to talk about the grades of beef. Now, we're not going to get into the wild aspects of Wagyu beef and and Kobe beef and, and all of that. We're going to stick with the three main things that you're going to find just about anywhere and everywhere you go to buy your beef. While I do not recommend buying your meat at Walmart, I know some folks don't necessarily always have a choice, right? That That's pretty much what they have, and, and that's what where they're going to get it. And, you know, it, if it is, it is. But if you can go to a, a meat market or a store that has a really good meat counter, you know, where you can talk to a, a butcher or someone who can pull out and, and really explain the marbling tell you what something looks like, or you can get things cut to a specific thickness that you like. That's the kind of markets that I really recommend you go to to get your steaks. If, If you're really wanting to be as consistent as possible and have the best experience possible... Uh, you know, that that's really the best way to do it. I know it's not always possible, but again, you know, that's, I, I'm just trying to help you out here. It may cost a little bit more, but, um, you know, that's where you're going to get into, you know, that fallacy in a way that, you know, you have to have prime uh, and never get select. That, that's not always true. That's not always true, especially if you're getting good quality meat at a quality market and meat counter, there's going to be some really good gems of select cuts that you, you can find and uh, and, and really uh, be able to enjoy at a much lower price point. But very quickly, the difference, right? Let's talk about that for just a minute. Prime is going to be your your top of the line. Uh, and again, we're not getting into wagyu, so but prime. So without getting into that, prime is going to be your top of the line. That's going to have your most marbling. It's going to be the most flavorful, and generally it comes from a much younger uh, cow, and so it it's going to you know, be a lot more tender overall. Probably the most popular grade is going to be your choice. Choice is going to be found just about everywhere, and that's what most people are going to be purchasing. Uh, First of all, because when you jump to Prime, you know the the price goes way up. I mean, it's it's terrible, really, the difference between Prime and and Choice. Select is going to be cheaper than your choice, but usually not so much cheaper that it's it's really you know, not worth uh, getting the, the choice. So choice is probably where everyone is going to, where everyone is going to go. If you're at a really good meat market, you got a meat counter, you get to know, you know, the, the butcher or the head of the meat counter there, they can usually recommend to you when they've got some cuts that are, graded as select but look really good and and so that's worth asking about for example where we go here in Springfield Missouri uh, at Harder House on Eastgate Avenue you know they they've got a really good meat counter and they'll have whole beef tenderloins And sometimes they'll even have the filet mignons, you know, bacon-wrapped filet mignons, and that's what they're doing. They're cutting it from those whole beef tenderloins that are select, and they'll have those on sale, and people look at these beef tenderloins or they'll look at the, you know, filets that they'll have there, and they'll be, you know, $4 or $5, you know, for either a 6- or 8-ounce filet mignon, and and, and they're great, right? They're not going to be as flavorful as... You know, a prime or a choice—they're going to be a whole lot cheaper, and you know you can season them up well, but they can still be tender. And that's kind of that misnomer that people think if you get select, it's just going to be tough. And that isn't always the case. But for all intensive purposes, let's plan on you know getting a choice cut. You know, but the the little tips and tricks we're going to walk through are going to be the same regardless, even if you get prime um or a select, you know, all of this is going to work the same and get you results that I think you're gonna enjoy and get you some consistent results as well. Obviously there's different types of stakes, different cuts, and everyone has their choice of you know what, you know, what they prefer. Some people really like that that Fat that runs through a nice thick ribeye. Other people want something a little bit more lean, like a sirloin or that fillet. And so, you know, it's going to really depend on preference when it comes to that. But again, whether you're getting a New York or Kansas City strip, a porterhouse, uh, that fillet, or that ribeye, again, what we're going to be talking about is is going to work for all of these cuts of steak to get you those tender bites. You know, keeping in mind a porterhouse is a, basically your strip steak and your, uh, and your filet, you know, all together still, right? It's all together. Uh, it hasn't been separated. And so when it, when it's cut, um, you know, off the the cow when it's butchered. When they're cutting a porterhouse, it's doing a cross-section of that tenderloin and of that strip. And so, you know, that that's in essence what the porterhouse is. So you get the best of both worlds there. A lot of folks really like that ribeye uh, for that fat that they can render down and get that nice just uh, melt-in-the-mouth you know, just real juicy strip of fat. Some folks don't like that. Uh, I do. I like it. But, you know, some folks just would rather not mess with that at all. Uh, But regardless of what your favorite cut of steak is, uh, there's a few things that we're going to recommend that you do. uh, And this is going to be absolutely key in making sure you have the most tender and perfect bite every single day time. Now before you go out and get a steak and then you start looking for all the tools that we're going to talk about, first of all, I want to point out that this can be done either inside, on a stovetop and in the oven or it can be done on a grill. You can do these th- these cooks in either place. So if you don't have a grill, you know you're you're having to resort to cooking inside on a stovetop and in the oven, this will work um if you know if you're fortunate enough to have a grill uh, a charcoal grill is preferred you know this, this this is going to work now if you'll recall last week we talked about the reverse sear and what the reverse sear is all about and, and that's going to be one of those methods but let's let's not jump ahead of ourselves here just let's slow down and and back up let's, so you get the cut of steak that you want right um, uh, I, I do recommend getting, you know, as, as, you know, thick as you can, you want an inch and a half, if at all possible, sometimes they're only going to be about an inch thick. That's all right. You're going to want really nice marbling. And if you need, if you're blind or visually impaired, you got somebody at the meat counter that can tell you, you know, uh, how it looks, if they can see the marbling and, and, you know, if it looks really good, uh, they can usually make a, a solid recommendation. And so Um, so that's what you're going to go with. You're going to get that. You're going to get home. And when you get home, you know, unless you plan on cooking it right away, uh, you're going to go ahead and you're going to put it in your refrigerator and keep it cool. Now, before you cook, let's say you're getting ready to go out and fire up your grill. You're going to pull that steak out and you're going to set it on the counter at room temperature. And this is something that's kind of a misnomer in a lot of the videos and a lot of the articles that you're going to read and some recommendations that are made. And I've even said it this way, that you, you know that it's best to pull out your steak and let it set out and, and bring it up to room temperature. That, that's, that's kind of a misleading because you're not bringing the meat in and of itself up to room temperature. That's not what you're doing, right? So let's say your house is sitting at 75 degrees or maybe even 72 degrees. You know, you're not bringing that meat up to 72 degrees from your refrigerator before you cook it. You're setting it out at room temperature. But even if you let it set out for an hour, it's probably going to come up about 5 to 6 degrees, right? So if it's sitting at, you know, 38 degrees in your fridge... Um, you know, it may come up to, you know, 45 degrees. Now, it makes a big difference when it comes to just pulling it out of the fridge, seasoning it up and throwing it on the grill, uh, as opposed to setting it out for an hour uh, on the counter and letting it set at room temperature. It, it does make a difference, and here's why. What you're going to find and what some of these, these guys who have really dived into the science and, and really paid attention and measuring the temperatures and, and all of that, what they find is that it's going to cook more evenly all the way through. and And, and that's going to help you to get the most tender bite of your favorite steak every single time, right, is having it cooked thoroughly, you know the exactly the same way, the same doneness all the way through. What happens if you just pull it straight out of the fridge and throw it on the grill, it, it doesn't always work that way because you get certain aspects of it that are uh, that are cooking a little faster, you know that are you know heating up a little faster than others. And if you're able to let it set out for an hour and kind of rest before you cook it, It doesn't come to room temperature but it does rise a little bit and kind of even out and then it is going to cook a lot more even throughout the cut of steak and that's going to be very key in helping you to have a consistent bite every time on that particular piece of steak. Uh, so when they talk about bringing it to room temperature, it's not that you need to leave it out for three or four hours. You don't want to do that, right? You know, hour, hour and a half, you know, I mean, sometimes 30 minutes is fine. Um, you know, but you take it out of the fridge, you know, no less than 30 minutes before you're going to throw it on the grill and let it rest. If you can let it set out at least 30 minutes before you season it up and then let it set out another 30 minutes, you know, you know, let that season kind of work in, uh, um, That that's even better. That's another tip, right? So we're not going to talk about the seasonings. You can pick your favorite seasoning, the favorite flavor that you like as far as that is concerned, but let the steak set out for 30 minutes. Then you're going to season it up with your favorite seasoning and let it set For another 30 minutes at room temperature and let that seasoning work. Let that salt and that pepper, it'll kind of draw out some of that moisture and that salt will dissolve and it'll go right back into that steak. And it it's, it'll, it'll start to kind of get this little sheen to it. it. It's, it just, it's awesome. It, it works and it's a great tip to not only having consistency, but knowing that you're going to get the best bite every time. One tool that you want to have where you run out and, and get all this going, you want to have a, a thermometer, a meat probe. One that you can leave in is ideal, first and foremost, right? And, of course, an instant read is, also, is always great as well. If you can have a talking instant read for those who are blind or visually impaired, you can go to theblindkitchen.com. Debra Erickson is the uh, owner of that store and and uh the theblindkitchen.com. She's done a great job putting together a lot of blind and visually impaired friendly items to help you with the with you know cooks in the kitchen and at the grill and a talking thermometer is key. Um, she's got a great one on her website um, and uh, there are some others that are out there. ThermoWorks has a good talking thermometer. Um, Ryzen has a talking thermometer. You can go to a lot of the blind-friendly, um, you know, uh, sites and and pick up a talking thermometer online. Uh, but I do recommend you have one. There are some that are that are leave-in that are wireless, such as the Meter M E A T E R. We did a whole episode, I think, on the Meter Plus uh, leave-in wireless meat probe. I want to stress this now do not get the meter block. The meter block is completely inaccessible at this point. Don't get it. do not get the meter block. Um, you know it and if it ever becomes accessible, I will do my best to let folks know but at this point it is not accessible but the single meter plus is absolutely and completely accessible for the blind and vision impaired if you can, Download an app on your phone. You're able to pair it and use the Meter Plus single probe um, with your uh, with your iPhone and uh, or or Android, and it works great and it's accessible. And you can keep track of the meat whether it's in the oven or on the grill. Uh, you're able to keep track of the temp- internal temperature of your meat. And what's cool about the Meter Plus is not only does it have the meat probe at one end, at the other end, it's got an ambient temperature. So you can also keep track of your grill temp or your oven temp, and it'll register that for you as well. So the meter plus, M-E-A-T-E-R plus single probe, that is, uh, that is a great option uh, for folks. A little bit more expensive than some of the talking thermometers, instant read thermometers, but with the meter plus, you're able to leave it in and just monitor it rather than, you know, um, you know poking your steak with a um, instant read every once in a while to check the temperature. So that's a key, uh, you know, product that I really highly recommend that you have if you want to be consistent. Um, I know a lot of folks talk about the feel and and using your your thumb and and you know, um, you know as you go down your thumb and how. Uh, soft or how firm it gets and people can talk about with steaks. And some folks get really good at that, but it's again it, there's going to be some inconsistencies there. And so, uh, you know, keeping track of the internal temp is the absolute best way to go, right? I'm answering the question what's the best way, you know, to do this and do it consistently consistently, and that's it. That's with being able to monitor the temp of the internal temp of the steak itself. So, so you got your grill or you've got, you know, let's say a cast iron skillet that you're going to be using inside on your stovetop or your oven. And you've got, or you've got a big, nice charcoal grill and you get it fired up and you're bringing it to temp to, to cook. You've got your steak, whatever cut you like. It's set out for 30 minutes. You've seasoned it up and let it set for another 30 minutes. And now you're ready to put it on the grill. And what I recommend is what's referred to as the reverse sear. Okay. And that is you want to have, let's say, if you're doing it inside, you want your oven at 250 to 275. If you're doing it on a grill, same thing, 250 to 275. That's how hot you want to get your grill. It's not very hot. But this is the way to get the best results and consistent results every single time. And so you're going to have that real low temp. You're going to put your stakes out there. You're going to put a probe. You know, if you got it, you're going to put a probe in it. And you're going to bring that stake up to that, the temp that you want. Some people like it a little bit more done. Some people like it a little bit more rare than a medium rare but right around that 120 to 128 internal temperature, we're talking Fahrenheit, 120 to 128 degrees Fahrenheit. You know, again, there are certain preferences here. You can go a little lower. You can go a little bit uh, higher on that. I wouldn't go much, but that that's going to be a good range for folks uh, because we're not done cooking it yet, right? This isn't the this isn't the end game here. Between that 120 and 128 is what you're doing before you're going to put a good sear on it, and also the steak is going to have some carryover temp, so it's going to continue to rise, you know, close to five degrees, and so you know if you're looking for that, you know, 133, 134 internal temp, you know, you're gonna put it in your oven or on your grill and bring that internal temp up to about 128 degrees. You want it less than that. Basically, you're shooting for about five degrees less than what you want. And and that's when you're going to take it out of the grill or out of the oven. And now what you're going to do is you're going to get a really hot service, whether it's getting the vents open on your grill and getting that grill nice and hot up, you know, 500, 600 degrees, or turning your oven up to 450, 500 degrees, uh, or rather getting your stovetop. This is where if you're inside, you're going to do it on the stovetop. After you've cooked it in the oven and you've gotten that temperature between that 120, 128, now you're going to get a skillet, put a little bit of butter in it, and you're going to get it screaming hot on on the stovetop. And then you're going to place them steaks on that cast, that hot cast iron, uh, and you're going to sear it for about a minute on each side. And, and that's, you know, that's it. You're going to pull it off. You're going to let it rest for about five to 10 minutes and it's ready to serve. It's ready to slice into and it's ready to serve. And, and the same with the grill, right? If you're outside on the grill, you've brought it up to that 120 to 128 internal temp Again, there can be some variations depending on how you like your steak. If you like it a little bit more done or a little bit less done, you know, you can adjust your temperatures there, but that's where I would recommend you start, right? So if you want to go to 125, you know, split it in the middle there um, and, you know, and then take it off the grill and then get your grill really hot, uh, or you can then bring it inside and, you know, sear it on the cast iron on on the stovetop, or if you have a griddle outside, sear it there. Uh, or just get your grill hot and sear it right there on the grill over the coals. Um, you know th- that's really the beginning here, right? We, we've that's the beginning process of getting the best, most tender bite of steak you can possibly get. But before you, you know, before you think, all right, it's done, it's going to work every single time. Hold on, there's another little tip that you need to know. Kickashbasket.com For all your grilling accessory needs, whether you're looking for some heat-resistant gloves to pull out those hot pans and cast-iron skillets from your grill or oven, or you're looking for that charcoal management with their basket that improves airflow and the Kickash can to catch all those ashes and make for easy cleanup, check out kickashbasket.com Shake that ash and light that fire. Go to kickashbasket.com and tell them Blind Grilling sent you. All right, folks, there's another little thing that we need to talk about when it comes to the steaks, when it comes to making sure the bites are tender. First of all, we talked about resting it for about five to 10 minutes. This is going to be absolutely key. When, you know, and and you can think about this in all kinds of ways, right? When uh, when you're cooking meat, it kind of draws up. You've seen that probably with burgers. You know, you start out with this huge monster burger patty, and as you cook it, it shrinks up. You know, and sometimes with steaks, you know, there, there's some movement as they're getting heated up, and as you know, as you're cooking it, there's going to be some movement of those fibers. And a lot of that has to do with the moisture content of the steak as that fat renders down and, and that moisture kind of draws into the middle of that steak. When you let it rest, you pull it off the heat, what begins to happen is that moisture redistributes throughout the steak. And that's key to let that happen, right, for the best results. Again, regardless of what you seasoned it with, you know, this is this is one of those keys letting it rest and let that moisture redistribute back throughout the steak. You know, so giving it that 5 to 10 minutes to rest. And sometimes when it's resting, you can put a little tent of foil over it. And not only that, but you might put a little pat of butter right on top of it while it's resting. Let that butter melt and just, again, just go and, you know, permeate throughout that steak as it rests um, you know, that that not only can be awesome for flavor, you can, you know, make some kind of compound butter with some herbs and, um, you know, and and just make a really nice buttery glaze you can put on your steak as well. <clears throat> but here's the next key, and this is probably one of the most difficult for those who are blind or visually impaired, and that's going to be how the steak is cut. We talk about this with brisket, we talk about this with with tri-tips and larger cuts of meat. You can do everything right and that steak can be sitting there and you can you know and and two people can have the exact same steak. One person can cut it one way and it be awesome and tender every time, every bite. Another person could have that same steak, cut it a different way, and it can be the chewiest and toughest piece of meat they've ever put in their mouth. And you're like, wow, is that even possible? Well, you, you need to learn how to cut against the grain. And again, this is something that's really difficult when it comes to steaks. And depending on the steak, there's a few ways that you can kind of tell with this. You know, your strip stakes, for example. With your strip stakes, usually the, the m- muscle fibers are running long ways. They're running from one end to the other. So it's going to be kind of long and, and a little bit more narrow. And so you're going to cut, you know, a, so let's say you got it going long ways, left to right. So you cut, you know, in front of you uh, across those fibers, across that grain right, that's going to help you get some tender bites of meat. Because if you cut with those fibers, with that grain, basically you've got these long strips of fiber and it just makes the meat chewy. Now, I know the question is going to be, well, how do I tell? How do I know on every cut of meat? And, you know, sometimes it's trial and error. Sometimes you got to cut a piece off and bite into it and, and find out. Or, if you start to tear it, or maybe you cut a little piece, and then you go to tear that piece, you can then, when if you go to tear it, it's going to tear in the direction of the grains, kind of like tearing, you know, a, a piece of of paper or cardboard or something. Uh, sometimes wood. If you picture a piece of wood, if you've seen that and you've seen the grain of wood that runs, you know, up along a board, you know. Um, y- You know, if you cut along that grain, it's called a rip cut, you know, or you can do a cross cut. You want to do a cross cut, right? Otherwise, those those long fibers are still together and it just makes for chewy meat. And so if you go to rip or tear the meat a little bit, it'll begin to tear along the fibers, right? Along the grain. And so however it tears, you want to go across that and let it just kind of naturally tell you. Um, again, sometimes it's trial and error. Sometimes it's not always the e- easiest thing to tell. Um, but if you can cut it across the grain, you're gonna find yourself with some extremely tender cuts of meat. And, and I, I think you're gonna have great success with that. Um, you know, uh, you know, we're talking medium rare temperatures that I've given. Some folks like it a little bit more done. If that's the case, you know, you like it a little bit more done. You know, it there's there's a fine line before going from tender to tough when it comes to you know overcooking your steak. So you want to be really careful, and if you can keep from going over that 140 to 145, you know, for those who want it done as possible, the better they're going to enjoy it. Um, but for those who like it, <laughs> a little bit more rare, you know, a lot of folks they talk about, oh man, how do you like your steaks? Oh, knock off the horns and the hooves and walk it through the kitchen. All right. And that's just about where I'm at, you know. That that's what I like. Just knock off the horns and hooves, walk it through the kitchen. Um, just make sure it isn't mooing and I'm good. Right. Um, and so you know, that it, folks have different tastes, you know, different things that they like you know, textures change with the meat the longer you cook it. And so, you know, those are a few tips and tricks that I wanted to give to you guys today on the podcast. So if you're firing up those grills, you're going to, need to cook some steaks, you know, don't be afraid to ask the butcher, you know, ask the guy at the meat counter, uh, you know, about the marbling and to, and to pick one that, that looks the best, right? And sometimes they'll look at what's in the uh, you know, what's there at the counter. And I've had some guys be like, well, I'll tell you what, hold on just a second. I'm going to go in the back and see if we got anything that looks a little bit better. You know, sometimes you get some really good guys at those meat counters and they, they're they going to look out for you and they're going to find you the best cut they can possibly find, even if that means going into the back and and uh, and find another ca- cut that's not up in um, at the counter at that point in time. You know, but uh, ask for the best looking, best marbling, um, you know, m- you know, choice if at all possible. Don't be afraid of those selects. You may have to season a little bit more to get that flavor. But if you do that reverse sear method, then uh, it you're going to have some tender meat even on select cut. Now, before we go though, I do want to talk about this uh, on an inside cook. If you have a grill, I do recommend. Always doing the reverse sear low and slow, and then putting the sear on at the end. But let's say you don't have a grill and you want some wonderful results inside, it's possible. And in this case, we're going to do a sear and then finish it off in the oven. You're going to preheat your oven to 350 degrees. You're going to get a cast iron skillet if at all possible, you know, um, you're going to get that skillet hot on t- on the stovetop with a little bit of butter in there. And once that is hot, you're going to, you know, and you got your steaks seasoned up, you've gone through the process, letting it set out, you know, let's say 30 minutes, the seasoning it, letting it set out 30 minutes. You're preheated your oven to 350. And now you're at your stovetop. You're going to put those steaks down on that cast iron skillet for about a minute and a half each side so put them down. Let them sear for a minute and a half. You're gonna then flip them to the other side for a minute and a half. And once that minute and a half is over, you're gonna take that skillet. Right? Get a nice heat resistant glove and uh, you know or a pot holder or something. Grab that skillet and slide that cast iron skillet into the oven. And if you've at this time, if you have that uh, leave in thermometer like that meter plus, you're gonna stick it in the meat and you're going to monitor the temp until it gets to uh, about, you know, within five to three degrees of your desired temp. Then you're going to take it out, put it on a plate, tent it, and let it rest for five to ten minutes. And and that's the best method, I think, for inside. You can do the reverse sear inside, but, um, you know, I, I like doing it inside where I do the sear first in the skillet and then stick it in the oven to finish it off. Put a meat probe in it and bring it up to my desired temp, um, and uh, and I think with that and a a good meat probe that you can leave in and monitor the temperature of the meat, you're gonna have good consistent cooks every time, and uh, I think you're gonna like it. In fact, I'd love for you to email us and tell me about it. Blindgrilling at gmail. Dot com is our email address, folks. We want to hear from you. We, you know, we appreciate everybody who writes in who asks us the questions. Share out the podcast as well. Friends and, family gather round and, and again, remember blindgrilling at gmail.com. Check out our YouTube channel. We've got lots of cooks there, some videos and uh, walkthroughs when it comes to that. Uh, Like that inside steak method We got rib cooks and other things there as well YouTube.com slash Blind Grilling Go to our Instagram At Blind Grilling And find us on Facebook At Blind Grilling And of course check out the Facebook group Blind Grilling Experience Request to join, we'd love to have you Share some of your cooks there as well Remember if you're looking folks You ain't cooking Cause if you're looking you ain't cooking Fire up the barbecue. Fire up the barbecue.